Well, hello, hello. Welcome to the TAO Intentions podcast. Our guest this evening is Simone Nesbeth. Welcome, Simone Dunbar Nesbeth, to the TOA Intentions podcast episode. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Wonderful. I am so glad to have you here. I've been hunting you down. I know you've been super busy. And, you know, majority of my guests are super busy, but I was holding out for you. I was going to find you, drag you out of your house. I didn't care what I needed to do to get you on this podcast episode, but but you made the time and I appreciate it. You're welcome. And I'm happy to be here as well to um, let people know about who I am, my experiences and what I'm doing. And, you know, hopefully it has a positive impact on others who listen to this podcast. All right, perfect. And I I hope it does as well. So while we're here, um, Simone is an audiologist here in Ottawa and someone that I've known for years. So I I love her. (laughs) She is amazing and I have the utmost respect for her. So I hope you feel the same way about her as I do after listening to this podcast episode. So Simone, I would love for you to start with telling us about yourself and your background. So a bit about myself. So I am from Ottawa, born and raised. I come from a Jamaican background, heritage. Both of my parents are from Jamaica. I have two other siblings. Um, I have an older brother and a younger brother. I currently have a spouse. He is an engineer. Um, We actually met while I was doing my studies at the University of Ottawa when I was in my bachelor's, and he was actually doing his master's in engineering. Um, He's also of Jamaican heritage, and he is a great cook. I knew from when I met him, he was the one. Not just because he was a great cook, (laughs) but other qualities that he has that really represent and embody who I am as a person, what my beliefs are, and what my ambitions are. And everything that he represented was aligned with me. things that I enjoy doing so I'm someone because of my job I'm very busy so I work a lot so on my downtime I really enjoy my guilty pleasure is watching reality tv shows so I love watching Real Housewives um I love the Atlanta franchise, I love the Potomac franchise, I think the Potomac one is my favorite, and then the Beverly Hills is actually getting better with the addition of Garcelle, and um, I believe it's Nikki Hilton, yes. Um, so yeah, so any of you guys who are Real Housewife fans, I am as well, and I also watch scripted shows like Power, all that good stuff. Um, I am someone who is very passionate um, about advocacy for kind of the various groups that are underrepresented and not equally treated in society and I truly believe that we all play a role in developing our community and it's important for us to give back and to pay it forward um, at all times Um, so that's kind of a bit about myself and oh one thing my zodiac sign so even though I come from a very (laughs) scientific background um I kind of believe in the whole zodiac sign stuff and everyone thinks it's ridiculous, but I'm an Aries, so I am someone who is a go-getter. I'm someone who's very determined, very passionate about what I do. I am someone that, if you're in need, I will always lend a helping hand. Um, And yeah, I am someone that if I 
have a plan, if I have a goal, um, there is no one that can tell me that it is impossible. Uh, yeah, and I'm very a positive, forward-thinking person that always likes to see the good in everything. And um, yeah, I'm just passionate about helping others and trying to improve our community as a whole. Well, I really love how you answered that question. You went really in-depth. I love how you broke down every avenue of yourself and showing that you're multifaceted so i yeah. really appreciated that and i do have to ask i'm really surprised you're still watching real housewives of atlanta <laughs> i thought yeah, after me I... left you would have ditched it no well the thing is i guess because of the job that i do um it's very it takes a lot of brain power <laughs> so you know when i'm at home i want to decompress and i want to watch something that brings me joy laughter and yeah that's what the real housewife of atlanta potomac does and i still watch scripted shows like power and then ghost book too yeah i like watching all that type of stuff um but yeah so people always when they meet me they go you watch the real housewives i wouldn't think you would watch something like that but yeah no i do i like watching various types of tv shows even teen mom i'm a loyal fan <laughs> yeah, so i'm very multifaceted in my personal life but also um in types of in terms of the types of shows that i enjoy watching yes i again after nini left i thought you would have just been done i'm still surprised that you're watching or oh, maybe portia is the one i got you keep in mind i don't watch reality shows i have never oh. watched not even one episode of of atlanta or atomic i've heard people say that atomic right now is killing it it is good it is fire it is like oof. Like, <laughs> and I haven't watched Power either. Really? Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. Power is a really good show. Yeah. I I just wasn't <laughs> sure about the representation and how they were truly handling it, right? So I wasn't sure, but I did watch uh, Fifty Cent show uh, for life it's now on netflix and i loved it oh okay i should probably watch that. i don't have netflix but i'm sure i'll be able to find that show somewhere online if well, i search it yeah you'll be able to pirate it for sure but <laughs> not that i'm enforcing that kind of behavior but if you have to go for it but i don't know i watched i watched it and i loved it and i kind of think you know what maybe power is going to be good I'm not sure. I think, you know, Ghost is fine as hell, but I don't know. I heard rumors to the grapevine that he died and I'm like, I can't. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a great, it's a great show. It's very well scripted um, and it keeps you um, really thinking. It's a, a show where you have to be like up to date with stuff. You can't just like watch the show and not pay attention to anything. Like everything is connected. It's just really well written. I think it's Courtney Kemp. I believe that's her name, who is the producer or i'm not sure or something but she's really good um at writing various shows i like shows that keep you thinking like how to get away with murder all that type of stuff like oh yes um so yes i have my reality tv shows which are really great but if i'm watching a scripted show it needs to be something that is very um mentally stimulating and very entertaining and keeps me thinking and on my toes Yes. So I like the two extremes. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you completely. That is something I, I much a lot of people go on dates where they watch romantic films in movie theater and I just cannot justify spending that kind of money that. for yeah, romance. Right. I'd rather go for a thriller or a drama or same action. Here, so I yeah, completely same. understand what you're saying. If a, if a show or a movie can make me think, I am yeah. going to love it. Just love mm -hmm. it. So you also mentioned that you were an Aries, which honestly, I did not know that about you. Oh, really? Yes. What's your zodiac sign? 
it's a Pisces, but I, I was supposed to be an Aquarius. So I find that majority uh, of my traits are Aquarius. I guess my mom was like, you didn't want to come out of the womb. And I was like, well, it was warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I am an Aries, the first sign of the, the Zodiac. Yeah, and like literally all the qualities of the Aries are me to a T. Holy. <laughs> you cannot tell me no, that I cannot do something. Like I don't see anything as an obstacle for me. If I have a plan, it will happen. It yes. will happen. I don't think there is no way to get something done. There is always a way. Well, the funny thing about it is I find that I get along with Aries women than I, I do with Aries men. And a, oh, another yeah. girl, her name was Rochelle, and she's from Toronto, and she's Aries as well. And I remember talking to her one day, and she just kind of tried to explain to me what her sign was and what it really means. And she said to me that with Aries, it's there's only two roads you can take, failure or yeah. success. There's no in-between. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So if you choose the role yes, of yeah. failure, you're just going to keep failing. But once exactly. you're on the path of success, you'll just keep rising. Exactly. 100%. So when she said that to me, I was kind of like, wow, like you guys are, are hardcore. And I was like, how the hell am I friends with people that are Aries? Why do I respect Aries women more than I respect Aries men? It's, it's just very weird. Very, very weird. <laughs> I feel like Aries men, well, not all of them. They're just a bit dumb. <laughs> it's not all men. a mess. <laughs> But, they really are a um, hot mess. My little brother's an Aries. Like family members. Yes. <laughs> you know, they're. My little brother's an Aries, and I'm mess. like, you're a hot, hot mess. Like, so hot. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just don't get it. Yeah. And then you meet the Aries women, and they just have it together. It's like they've made the conscious decision that I will be successful, I will reach my goals, and I will accomplish everything that I do in life. And you, you guys just shoot for the stars and, and hit it. You don't even miss. Yeah, we don't think about oh what if or maybe i won't be able to do no we just say okay this is what we're doing this is what i want this is what i'm gonna get okay how's that gonna happen boom and then we get it done That's exactly it. There's no excuses none of that we just do it <laughs> yes and i i really do like that about aries so you had mentioned that you know you're a canadian born you're a descendant of jamaican and so mm -hmm. you have been back home right yeah i go back um frequently so i've been going back to jamaica since i was like baby oh wow so my parents they believed it was very important to be in touch with our roots our culture mm -hmm. um yeah so i've and you know i was the type of person that when anytime i would go back to jamaica and i would come back and then i would see my friends I'd be like oh my god did you get to do this with my dolphins or did you stay here and like i, I would be like no when i go to jamaica it's more like visiting family i don't do any of the tourist stuff so it's like it's the real yes. being in the bush or being in like the city or this or that like i don't do all that fun stuff that people see advertised on on tv um yes. but now because like my spouse he's also jamaican um when we go back we make sure that we at least stay a bit of time in a resort and actually experience the great things that Jamaica has to offer in terms of tourism because prior when I used to go with my parents and family it was just you know <laughs> it was a great experience but I didn't do like the fun touristy stuff like even now I've never been to the Bob Marley Museum as many times as I've been to Jamaica and my mother is from Kingston Augustown specifically and it's Bob Marley Museum is just it's really close I have never been there never oh. been there <laughs> honestly girl you're not the only one I am Jamaican born I visit often as well, 
and I swear to you, I'm always in Kingston, Spanish Town, New Kingston, and I still exactly. haven't been. It's it's there's so much going on at all times. Yeah. So <laughs> I I always yeah, ditched now, a museum yeah. to go have some rum and raisin ice cream. Always. Oh yeah, yeah. Please yeah. tell me you've tried that. <laughs> So, no, well, the thing is, I don't like, I don't like the taste, well, I don't drink alcohol, and I, the reason I don't drink alcohol is I actually just do not like the taste of alcohol at all. I'm someone who loves food, I love food, I love, like, I'm passionate about food and the way it tastes, and alcohol does not taste <laughs> good for me. So, like, the rum and raisin, that alcohol taste, I do not like it, so I, I, I don't like, so I've never tried it. Well, if you ever if go happened. back, try the pistachio. The pistachio ice cream is pretty good, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll probably yeah. try that. <laughs> definitely do that. And definitely check out Bob Marley Museum, at least before I do. Because if I do it before you, we have a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, But yeah, I have to ask you, though. Yeah. I, I have to ask you, since you love food, which type of food did yeah. you prefer? The resort food or the food from, like, family in the country? Um... I think, like, I prefer the food that is made by the family or, like, even the food on the road. Oh, the food like, on the road is so good. so good. Especially um, the people that have, like, the steel drums and they do the jerk and all that type of stuff. Like, mm. I like the food on the road. I don't know how clean it might be. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I really do love the food on the road. And uh, the food in Jamaica is so good. So, so good. good. And I love Island Grill. Uh, I don't know if you... Yeah, you Island Grill is like my spot in Jamaica. The food is just, I wish they had an Island Grill in Ottawa. Like, they do. My life would be complete. They do they have, have an Island, Island Grill. Well, I don't know if it's the same franchise, but I know that there's a restaurant on Bank Street called Island Grill. I always go there all the time. I love their jerk. I love their fish. Um, but the I, I don't think it's the same franchise. The one in no, Jamaica, it's not. oh my God. Like, they're, like literally, I could have their food there, breakfast, lunch, dinner. <laughs> Probably, like, if I was living in Jamaica, I would be fat. <laughs> I highly doubt that. You have a very slim figure. <laughs> you you got it from somewhere. I don't know if it's your mom or your dad. I think it's my mom. I think she she as well has a fast metabolism. Yeah, well, that's great. But honestly, I love yeah. street food. That jerk pork, jerk chicken off of, you know, the steel pan that they, that they like to make it on. I love the pepper shrimp. I love buying the crab like, and the lobsters off the street like Spanish yeah. Town. Oh, my God. Yeah. Girl, you're making like, me so hungry. <laughs> is like when i go to jamaica one thing is that even though i don't go to all like the tourist places that you see advertised on tv i've probably been to every single parish because like my dad was the type of person where we would drive all over even like in the middle of night mm. so i've been from the west all the way to the east from the south to the, like i've been all over in jamaica and then now with like my spouse because when we go down he drives we go all over so i'm pretty sure i've been to like every single parish Oh, you're lucky. Family, like visiting family or something, maybe there's something business related or something that maybe my spouse or my dad has to do, whatever. But I've been to, I would say, pretty much every parish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so. I don't know. I was more of a girl that went from Kingston to Montego Bay to Ochi. And I think maybe recently, like the last time I visited Jamaica, I tried visited Negril and I loved it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you been to Portland before? No. So my mom's family 
originally from Portland, but Portland, oh my God, like when you go there, well, my dad has property there, um, land, um, but when you go there, like it is so beautiful, like it's so green, the beaches are, oh, it's amazing. Um, and I don't know if you've been to St. Mary, so like I have family in St. Mary as well. Uh, my father's uncle is the police officer there or the sergeant, I don't know, something like that. But yeah, even St. Mary is like so beautiful, so so much greenery. It's just kind of like the complete opposite of Kingston where you see just like a lot of houses, buildings, Portland and um, St. Mary's. What is it? St. Mary is so beautiful. And then like because of my spouse, he's from Westmoreland and he's specifically from a town or an area called Seaford Town. Even there, like it's just yeah, it's nice as well. It's just you know being able to experience the different parts of the island, the different people and stuff like that. It's great. So yes. I don't do a lot of the tourist things, but one thing I can say is that like I've been immersed into the the real Jamaica, as you can say. Like I don't I don't do the tourist stuff. Yes, I really no. Get to experience the culture. Yeah. I think my cousin and I were planning on hitting up Portland the next time we go for the waterfalls, it's but beautiful. I really want to check out the lagoons as well. Oh yes. Like I went to the Blue Lagoon with Larry. Yeah. Um, when we were in Portland, and oh my God, it is so beautiful. Yeah. The water is like wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I recommend that. <laughs> okay, definitely. I'm gonna go. Um, trust me, I have a, a whole bucket list of things that I've always wanted to try in Jamaica that I haven't done as of yet. But the lagoons is definitely one of them. And so I'm gonna have to buy a lot of bathing suits because I'm gonna be, you know, where the waterfall is. I'm gonna be where yeah the beautiful water is. Like I'm just. I can't wait to just eat food off the street. My favorite, of course, is the donut. I like picking up the apples off the street or you're driving or the guinip. The don't. Have you tried the donuts at Raspberry Donut? So good. The raspberry donut? No, I have not tried that <laughs> at all. I don't even. I haven't heard of that actually. But where 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 do you get it from specifically? It's always on the street. So I if go- you're if you're driving through Kingston, yeah. there's always these people that are you know when you're at the lights waiting for the traffic to move, they're standing there trying to sell uh-huh. you a box of donuts, and it's pink and white. I promise you, you will not regret getting one of those. Oh okay. They're so like the sugar donuts with that. filling. Mm, okay, and I love sugar. I yes. love food. So. <laughs> I think the last time That's we fun. went, we bought like four boxes, and we already finished all of it by the time we got home that's how good it is oh wow okay yeah okay it's... i'll definitely check that out yes so yes we'll, we'll talk some more about that you yeah. know in the future you and i when i was like oh you're going to jamaica all right here's the list um yeah <laughs> so let's go into your journey um to becoming an audiologist so yeah you said you attended university of Ottawa for undergrad what did you study prior to doing your master's? Um, So I did my undergrad uh, in biomedical science. Um, Initially, I thought more I would be a geneticist because I enjoy um, lab work, I enjoy research, all that type of stuff. But then um, I couldn't picture myself being in a lab doing research for my whole life. I do enjoy that interaction with other people, with patients, that whole aspect. So it's actually funny. One of my great friends, I've known her since kindergarten. We went to elementary school together. We did our bachelor's in biomedical science together. So we were in kind of like close to our, the end of our final year in biomedical science. And we really needed like an elective course, like a bird course, they would call it. Um, just to like boost up our grades because like the science courses like fourth year stuff like that It's it's a lot so you want something that's not too stressful as an elective course and we took in a like, linguistics course and in that course we had um, 
the professor, I remember his name, Professor White, and he discussed speech-language pathology, and he also discussed audiology. And he talked about speech-language pathology, and we're like, mm, that's okay, that's interesting. But then when he started to talk about audiology, we're like, oh my God, that is so us. It's very um, research-based, evidence-based, um, very science-oriented. You, as an audiologist, you could work in a clinical setting and see patients, or you can work in a research setting where you do research for hearing aid manufacturers, cochlear implants, that type of stuff, or you can do research in the terms of a PhD and adding to the field to further the profession and help it grow. So there was just numerous options. The scope of practice of an audiologist is very large. Um, so once we learned about it and we we looked at our background as a biomedical assigned student, we're like, oh my God, like we have the prerequisites to get into really this type of program so I she actually went to the states um, to do audiology in the states um, when you do become an audiologist you have to do a graduate degree a doctorate graduate degree in audiology and when they graduate they end up with a clinical doctorate whereas in um, Canada when you do or you decide to become an audiologist you have to do a master's degree and um, what you end with is a master's degree and specializing in audiology um, and in the States, the program's a bit longer. They dive, I feel, deeper into certain concepts and material. Um, in Canada, the master's degree, like, yes, when you do the program, you'll be able to practice as an audiologist. Um, but I feel like it's very condensed. It's a lot of information crammed within that short period of time where you have your clinical placements, you have your research that you have to do, and you have your coursework. It's kind of a lot. But, um, yeah, so she went to the States, and then she came back to Canada, she works um, in the public sector um, and specifically doing vestibular work. So she's an audiologist that deals with balance disorders. And then when I graduated from the University of Ottawa, um, I work in more the area of like hearing loss, hearing aids, that type of stuff. Yes. All right. So there's just different categories to to what you have studied and you know you've centralized your focus on on one and realized that you know you didn't really want to be a researcher you wanted to be someone that was a bit more hands-on so I really like that you you know cater to your actual skills and preferences now the thing is I do really love research I love research but I just couldn't picture myself doing research only in a lab my whole life I would love to have a mix and I feel like audiology offers that and some of you guys might be wondering like what is an audiologist? Um, I think it's maybe not as a, a well-known field or profession compared to others, but essentially an audiologist is someone that um, identifies, manages, and treats um, hearing-related disorders, tinnitus, auditory processing disorders, and also um, we identify, manage, balance disorders, that type of stuff. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a very large scope of practice as an audiologist, and you can work in various areas, which is really good. Okay, that's amazing. So upon, you know, leaving university, um, where I had originally met you was uh, through West Indian Student Ensemble. You were my vice president. And so I wanted you to talk about that experience 
being, you know, juggling your education as well as being a vice president of an association at the University of Ottawa. How was that experience for you as a VP and what kind of skills have you learned that you are now able to carry forward um, into your career? Yeah, so in terms of how was that experience, I think it was a great experience for me because um, I really truly learned how to multitask, you know, how to do multiple things at one time, juggle, you know, my educational aspect, but also the aspect of holding a specific role within a organization where I also had responsibilities. It taught me leadership skills, um, how to navigate and interact with various different people, personalities, how to, yeah, so I learned um, a lot of skills. I think the most important skill I learned was um, the multitasking aspect. Um, And then I also feel that I already As I said, being an Aries, I'm someone who is a go-getter, very driven. Um, I'm someone that I feel like I have leadership qualities. So I feel that the association just further developed it and helped me further progress. So um, I enjoyed my experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because it really truly helped shape me into the person that I am today and really, I would say, tune, like fine-tuned the skills that I already had to make them, I would say, top tier. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I'm glad. Because yeah. honestly, you know, working alongside of you with the West Indian Student Ensemble, you were definitely one of the members that I respected the most. You just carried yourself mm-hmm. well and you never seemed stressed. You never seemed frantic. It never seemed like you were so overwhelmed with the association that you were falling behind in your education. In in every way, you always seem to kept your cool and kept it together. And yeah, that's like one it, of the things uh, that I admire yeah. about you. Yeah, like I could have multiple things going on at one time. I could be stressed or whatever, but I feel like because I was able to multitask and manage my time effectively and I knew what I wanted to do in life, what I wanted to be, what were my priorities, there was no reason to stress because I know what my ultimate goal was. And if you stress, if you're... You know, if you lose track of what you want to do, then that's kind of setting yourself up for failure. And I'm someone where I just see green, I don't see red. So I am someone that there could be a million things going on and that person will not see that stress. I try to ensure that I do not get stressed because that can distract you from your goal. Mm, I like that a lot. I'm a very stressy person. So hearing you say that, I kind of look back and I go, wow, there's a lot of things I've done in my life where I've allowed stress to distract me and I did not accomplish very much. (laughs) Yeah, you can't let that, you know, stress, like there's always going to be stress, but you can't let it consume you. You got to just focus and know what you need to do and then just try and make sure as much as possible you get it done. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the master's program that you got into. Mm -hmm. Um, How was the experience, you know, getting into that program and how easy was it um, to start? Yeah. So in Canada, um, I believe there's four schools that offer the program. Uh, the audiology program and at the University of Ottawa the program's actually in French so at the University of Ottawa they only accept around 10 people Um, so it is very very competitive so once um, I completed my bachelor's degree yes I had the prerequisites yes I had the grades to get accepted but what I did not have was that volunteer experience specifically geared towards audiology I had no experience 
shadowing an audiologist or doing anything related to audiology. So prior to applying, I took, I believe it was six months to a year, probably a year, um, to really get that experience that I need in the area of audiology to really strengthen my application. Because yes, I have the grades. Yes, I was the vice president and then the president of the West Indian Student Ensemble, and I did a lot of philanthropic activities, I did a lot of stuff. But what I was lacking was the volunteer experience related to audiology. So I took that time to really um, get that necessary experience to further boost um, my application to show that I'm a well-rounded person, I have the grades, I have, I'm someone who has been doing um, volunteering, outreach initiative stuff, I've always been involved with things in general, organizations from the West Indian Student Ensemble side, but then I also had the audiology aspect volunteering side, so I wanted my application to be really full and complete, that when I did apply, um, I would then be accepted to attend the interviews, so I did apply, after ensuring I had a well-rounded application, I got accepted to do the interviews. So the interviews is like, they're in French and they're in English. And it's, I think it's called the multi-station interview. So essentially you have these different rooms where there is a question on the door, various different types of scenarios linked to like various topics that could apply in the healthcare field. And you would have to read the question. You would have 30 seconds to, I think, think about it. And then after you would have to go into the room and then explain what you would do in that situation or what is your response to it. And the question could be in English or in French, depending on the room that you went into. Yeah, so studying for that was um, a bit stressful in the sense that I had to make sure that I had to be able to express and convey the information in two languages, whether the question was in English or the question was in French. I need to make sure that when I did open the door and saw whoever that, that was sitting there, that was going to listen to my response, I had to make sure that I could provide a well-rounded, great response in both English and in French. So yeah, so once I went through that interview, um, after they reviewed my application, I did the interview. Once I did the interview, then I got accepted. <laughs> wow. So when I got accepted on my birthday, that's when I figured out the results. Oh. I actually had a dream the day before that I was going to get accepted. And then when I woke up in the morning, I saw in the my email that, oh, you've been accepted into the audiology program. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah. listening to this going, wow, that's a lot of pressure. But I mean, yeah. based on, you know, our our dealings, especially with, with WISE, you were able to handle okay. a lot of things off the fly. Like with your problem solving skills, we're, we're very much on point. So you could definitely handle that kind of stress and pressure that they gave you. And I mean, is French your first language? No, it isn't. So I learned French in school. Like everyone learns French in school, like in high school, but it's not the best. You're not able to fully have like a conversation with a person. I'm, I was amazing at conjugating verbs, but it was like when I went into my bachelor's, I did like an elective course in French. And then like the teacher said, introduce yourself. And I was like, oh, I struggled. And then that made me realize that, okay, I can conjugate verbs, but I cannot have a fluent conversation with the person. So then I just made it my goal that as much as possible, the elective courses um, that I took were in French to really make sure that I can truly communicate in French. And I started to take some of my science courses, like pharmacology courses towards the end in, in French to ensure that like, you know, I really was able to develop that aspect where I wanted to develop was my oral communication. Um, and also just 
writing and that type of stuff. And then once, you know, once I found about audiology and the program was in French, I said, well, if I was able to do all these kind of elective courses in French, and I did like some science courses in French too, and I got really good grades, then that obviously means I can do my master's in audiology in French. Wow. Wow. You're, yeah. you're very impressive. That's all I got to say. So um, the only volunteer experience was WISE and, you know, shadowing and an actual audiologist. Was there any other volunteer experience that you've done that maybe could contribute, that maybe have contributed to your career now? Um, I also um, did volunteering uh, with the organization called Jacob Combit, which um, that organization, their mission is to support and improve the lives of disadvantaged individuals from and families of African and Caribbean descent through partnership with communities and programs and stuff like that. And I worked with children um, during the summer camp. And from working with the children, it showed that I truly enjoy um, being around them, working with them. So as it relates to kind of audiology, um, I work with the adult and I work with the pediatric population. So above the age of five. So I truly do enjoy seeing young kids doing their hearing tests. Um, I love interacting with them. So it really um, gave me the, I would say the courage to not, I know sometimes when you're in the healthcare profession, sometimes people don't want to work with children because they say it might be too difficult. There's more work that's involved. But um, just my experience through Draco Combat made me confident in my abilities that if I do have to see a child um, as an audiologist, I won't have any problem with it. I won't be nervous. I won't feel that, oh, it's going to be difficult. Um, I feel confident in my abilities in working with the children. Okay. I really appreciated you sharing that. Um, just because there are plenty of children out there that need someone who knows how to manage children especially children with a disability knows how to talk to them hold their hands make sure they feel comforted and so if you're comfortable around children they're going to feel that comfort and they will be trusting of you exactly i mean an opportunity might come one day where you end up going to you know africa on some mission to you know provide ear and aid services to children and Mm -hmm. your experience just working with children will be very very fruitful for you um doing missionary trips in that sense so and that's something like one of my goals um because i really truly believe in giving back um to others and paying it forward so one of my goals is being a part of an organization or an association that does missionary trips to um, countries where they lack access to audiology services and being able to provide that service to those, whether they're adults or children, um, to truly help them and to better their lives. Um, So that's something I plan on doing in the future Um, when I have the time. Like that is definitely a goal of mine because I truly believe in giving back and um, it's just unfortunate that you know, in other parts across the world, hearing isn't kind of central or important. And we don't realize how important hearing is in terms of being able to communicate, how important hearing is to be able to develop language, to to speak, all these types of things. So I definitely want to do a missionary trip to a country in the future where um, I can truly help people, children and adults who Um, don't have access to audiology services or to an audiologist. Okay. 
So I hope that you, you know, you accomplish that goal. And honestly, based on your character and who you are as a person, I really, I honestly, it's just going to happen one day. And because you move in silence, none of us is going to know it's, it's happened (laughs) until way later. But yeah. You know, I I have a feeling you're definitely going to do it. Everything that you said you were going to do, you have done. So I have no doubt about that. Yeah. So where do you currently work and what do you do there? Um, so I currently work for a nonprofit organization called Canadian Hearing Services. I am their audiologist at the Ottawa location. What I currently do there is I assess... Um, hearing loss in children ages five and up um, and also in adults and in the elderly population. I also provide um, treatment in terms of hearing aids. I also provide oral rehabilitation. I'm also someone that um, can offer services in tinnitus. Um, So in terms of services, so someone that experiences tinnitus, so tinnitus is like a ringing or buzzing or sounds that they hear in their ear and for some people it can be bothersome and it can be very debilitating. I am a person that they would see in order to better manage um, and cope with that situation um, through the use of either hearing aids or sound therapy. I also see people that suffer from sound intolerance so I identify it but I also provide management treatment for that as well. Um, I also do wax removal Um, It's something I really love doing. Um, It's very satisfying removing wax from someone's ear. Some people might find it very disgusting, but when I can pick out a chunk of wax, um, it's very (laughs) rewarding and gratifying. Yeah, so um, as I said, like an audiologist, we have a really wide scope of practice, as in we identify and manage, um, treat auditory disorders in terms of hearing loss, auditory processing disorders, manage, treat, identify tinnitus, noise sensitivity. We also can manage, identify, and treat balance disorders. Um, In my aspect, where I work at the Canadian Hearing Services, I specifically work in the area of identifying and treating hearing loss. And in terms of treatment, it's more hearing aids. I also provide oral rehabilitation. I see people that have tinnitus, decreased sound tolerance. Um, I also do wax removal, that type of stuff okay i don't do anything in the area of balance um my friend who we both are audiologists and she went to the states and obtained her clinical doctorate um she actually works in the public sector and she specifically works in the area of balance disorders okay well you definitely made um cleaning wax from someone's ear sound really sexy that's all i gotta give you with that one (laughs) (laughs) but other than that that's that's pretty cool um you mentioned that you were to the canadian hearing services i remember you know in the past it was canadian hearing society yeah and i guess they changed the name to services now Mm -hmm. okay because i remember working there you know, some time back, or not working, but at least volunteering. And um, I really appreciated that that location there in Ottawa. I think it was near Billingsbridge at the time. Yes, 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 yes. It was yeah across yeah. from Billingsbridge, I believe. Exactly. So I would go in there. I take the bus, and I would go in there. And I remembered just even being a receptionist, and all the equipments that they would have available 
for people with oral issues uh, due to hearing loss, um, hearing problems, and even people calling in from home because maybe they're disabled, like they're immobile, for example, and they're unable to speak, and you can hear that they have a device where they're typing in maybe their answer, so you have to sit there patiently yeah. waiting for them to respond, and then you also provide that service. I also appreciated that the, that location had computers so that people who are, are impaired were able to come in and do their, their resume or services, and there were people there who specifically cater to assisting in employing people with these sorts of disability and making sure that they are a contributing factor to the society and not feel like they don't have a purpose. Yes, and that's actually like one of the reasons why I decided. So I started my clinical doctorate in audiology um, in July, and I felt like I needed to change. I had to work somewhere that kind of encompasses how I believe care should be provided to people who have hearing loss and Canadian Hearing Services as a nonprofit organization. I felt like they had a very holistic approach in terms of approaching, you know, a person that does have hearing loss. They don't look at just, okay, if someone has hearing loss, we just treat them with hearing aids. No, they look at how hearing loss impacts their whole life. So whether it's employment, whether it's family communication, whether it's um, just a wide range. So and because of this, because they look at various areas in their life where hearing loss has an impact on it, they provide services in that area, whether it's employment support, whether it's counseling services, whether it's um, accessibility services, whether it's interpreting services um, for people who use sign language, whether it's captioning services. Um, so the services that they provide for those who um, are deaf and hard of hearing um, is very holistic. Mm-hmm. They don't just look at how can we treat the hearing loss, they look at how does their what can we do to minimize barriers to participating in daily activities? Yes. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to um, work for the nonprofit organization because it truly reflects who I am as an audiologist. And given that I started my clinical doctorate, um, I felt like I should work somewhere that encompasses what I truly believe in and the type of care that I believe we should be providing. Yes, and I, I really do appreciate yeah. that you work there. Because it is an amazing place to work. The time that I was there, the staff was amazing. They were super nice. Even the people coming in were genuinely sweet and nice. And just being able to provide them with with ways to to communicate properly when they come in. And it, it was just nice. And I do, I do like that they changed their name. So rather than just being, you know, Canadian Hearing Society, which I feel that that name kind of isolates certain people, especially yeah. people with hearing disability. It's it's very secluded. Like, you know, this is a society only for these particular people. And changing yeah. it to services makes it more of a, a, a broader aspect. You know what I mean? It's, yes, it's I agree. Anyone that is struggling with any of these categories that need the assistance, we are here for you. So it's, it's more inclusive and it's yeah. a lot more open when they changed it from society to service, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I completely, I completely agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we've, we've covered a lot. Um, you even broke down, you know, why you chose to, to get your PhD, but I, I do need to understand the motivation of wanting to get your PhD. So what really motivated you to, to do your PhD? Yeah. So, um, what I'm currently doing right now is a clinical doctorate in audiology. So PhD is someone who is doing research and they're contributing to the field. 
um, to the profession um, to help it further grow. So that's usually someone who has a PhD would normally be like a professor at the university. Someone with a clinical doctorate in audiology is similar to someone that has a clinical doctorate in optometry, a clinical doctorate in dental surgery, dental surgery, or a, a doctorate in medicine. So I decided to do a clinical doctorate in audiology, even though I'm already an audiologist and I have my master's degree. I just felt that by doing the clinical doctorate, there are certain concepts that they are they dive deeper into, um, and I'm all about furthering my knowledge to enhance the patient experience. Um, in addition, in the States, when you graduate as an audiologist, the clinical doctorate is a four-year program. They have a lot of time to really dive into the information, and when they graduate, that's what they obtain, and that's the entry degree to practice a clinical doctorate in audiology. It used to be a master's, but they converted it to a clinical doctorate. In Canada, the entry to practice as an audiologist, the entry degree to practice as an audiologist is a master's degree. Canada tends to follow the trend of the U.S. and I want to one be ahead of the curve mm. so that if there is a change where the entry to practice as an audiologist changes to a clinical doctorate, I already have it. In addition, doing the clinical doctorate will just further enhance my knowledge in certain areas where maybe I feel that I could obtain more knowledge, more information to better serve my the clients that I currently see. So me doing the clinical doctorate is specifically to be ahead of the game. If ever the entry level requirements to practice as an audiologist becomes a clinical doctorate instead of a master's in Canada. Also, it gives me the flexibility that if ever I want to practice in the States, I would be able to because I have a clinical doctorate. And third, to truly um, the information that I obtain, just furthering my knowledge to better help serve the people that I work with, the clients that I see to truly enhance the client, the patient experience. So, yeah. Okay. I always think of what can I do to better the patient experience and to improve the type of service that I provide. And I feel like just even now doing my clinical doctorate, um, the ethics course that I just completed was just so, it was amazing. Um, not to say that what I learned in my master's wasn't great, but I feel like it really dived into really complex situations in detail where um, it gave a broader understanding on certain issues. And on top of that, with my clinical doctorate, it's, an online program and I get to meet audiologists all across the world from um, South Africa, Ghana, Ireland, um, India and who are also audiologists with a master's degree looking to get their clinical doctorate and it's just great meeting like-minded individuals who have the same goal of um, bettering their skill set to better serve the population that they provide service to. Okay. I really like how intentional you're being about preparing for the future and any changes that mm -hmm. is occurring. The fact that you're looking so far ahead and you're planning yeah. means that you are one, a realist, and number two, you're a futuristic planner. And yeah, so I look ahead. 
Yes. And you've based majority of your decisions and your your movement on adapting to society and adapting to what could be next and really, truly researching and learning about your industry. Keep in mind, doing a PhD based on everything that you've listed, it means that you are you've just opened doors for yourself just by doing this. You can go into the branch of teaching. You can, you know, decide to move to the States and and work there for two years with your, with your husband and family and be able to, to do a lot more than what you're doing currently. And so I find that your planning process is very well done and you are so intentional. And this is one of the reasons why I truly admire you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Doing so with the PhD, the PhD is specifically research based, the P, uh, doctor in philosophy. Mine is a doctorate degree in audiology, which is a bit different, but what it will still, even though, as I said, it will allow me to, if ever I want to work in the States, I can. And also in the States, if ever they need an instructor that, um, or a, a teacher with the clinical doctorate um, to teach a course, you can with a, a clinical doctorate in the States, um, which is really great. So it just, it just provides more flexibility as everything evolves, everything changes. I just want to make sure that um, I'm thinking ahead, but also I'm thinking about what I can do to better myself in terms of the knowledge I have to better help the patients that I see. And it just made sense for me. I've been practicing for three years. Um, the next step for me is to obtain a clinical doctorate to just open more doors and how I provide care and also the possibility of if ever, if I, who knows, yes. 30 years down the line, I want to work in the States. <laughs> um, and, you know, a PhD is something I wouldn't rule out because like I actually do love research, right? I, yes. I love it a lot. Um, when I was in my master's, I did a research project and I even presented my research project um, well, not my project, a branch of it. So I did like two research, separate, re- the same research, but two different research questions. And one of them, I presented it at the Canadian Academy of Audiology, their annual conference where they have audiologists all across North America that would come to this conference to just learn more about audiology, listen to different presentations, really inspiring. And I actually presented one of um, my research questions um, in front of a, a large group of people and um, it was such a great experience and it was so funny when I did my presentation the person who spoke before me was someone that in school we read his research and we talked about yeah. <laughs> and I was like oh my god how am I going to like speak after this person he's someone who has contributed um, to our field immensely and then I'm going to be speaking but it was such um, a great experience for me so like even though I, I'm doing my clinical doctorate I will never rule out actually doing a PhD in the future um, a PhD is a really it's really difficult you don't know if you'll even obtain your PhD if you do a PhD because it's research based and if your research doesn't work then you won't obtain it but that is something I would never rule out in the future because I love research Mm-hmm. I love reading research articles. Um, I love doing research. This is why I want to be a geneticist initially. Um, but I couldn't picture myself in a lab all the time. And audiology provided that balance where you can work in a clinical setting, but you also can do research. So I would never rule out doing a PhD. Right now I'm doing my clinical doctorate, but I would never rule out doing a PhD in the future because I really love research and I'm always looking at what I can do to not better myself as an audiologist, but what I can do to better our profession. And, you know, one of the best things a person can do, I think, is to contribute to the body of knowledge that already exists, that, that it is here. Yes. So, and I'm also someone... Um, 
I'm passionate about audiology. I do. I, I make sure I'm a member of every audiology organization in Canada. I make sure I pay my dues. Um, I make sure I'm part of volunteer initiatives um, to help move the profession forward because I truly believe in um, if audio for audiology to grow, we need to have people that want it to grow and who believe in making sure that the awareness of audiology, the services that we offer is at the forefront and that we make it known that, you know, this is something that is out there. And it's important to educate people about audiology and hearing loss because it's, it's a profession where not many people know too much about it. But yeah, whatever I do, it's um, intentional and I'm just someone who thinks of what I can do to better myself as an audiologist, what I can do to help my patients. And I would never rule out doing a PhD because I love research, but I'm doing my clinical doctorate at the moment. All right. Well, I think one of the other reasons what I really like about you doing this is that this can also open doors for you to maybe even go to Africa and teach um, people to to learn more about hearing and, and bring that sort of technology over there. So I feel like this opens a lot of doors for you, not just in the yeah. States, but worldwide. So I am very glad that you yeah, are doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I truly enjoy helping people and I truly believe that in whatever you do, you need to make a contribution to society. Yes, um, having a purpose. Don't just do something, exactly, don't just do something for yourself, you have to also contribute to society. Um, yeah, so... Mm-hmm. I do have to ask you though, oh 100%, thank you for sharing that. You have been in this, yeah. you know, successful role for three years now. How does it feel to accomplish this goal? And what are you doing to celebrate your accomplishments with yourself? Um, so <laughs> I'm someone that, you know, I don't really boast about my accomplishments or what I do. I don't post stuff on social media. Like, I don't do any of that. People probably don't even know what I'm doing if they don't know me, They, to be honest. But, like, what I do in my personal life is um, I reward myself. So if I want to go out to a restaurant and buy food and eat, I'll buy it. I won't feel guilty about it. If I want to go take a trip with my spouse to Jamaica and stay in a nice resort, I won't feel guilty about it. If I, you know, want to go to the hair salon every two weeks and have someone do my hair for me when I used to do it before, I don't feel guilty about it, you know? So I, I make sure I reward myself in that way where, if, you know, if I want to do something, want to you know do it don't feel guilty about spending that time or that money on yourself to pamper and take care of yourself because yes you can do so much stuff for other people but you have to make sure you take care of yourself as well I won't broadcast like what I'm doing in my personal life like I won't say oh I if I have a house or cars or you know if I'm doing a clinical doctorate if I'm doing that like I don't people don't know what I'm doing because um, I'm very private that way, but um, I will make sure that in my personal life that I pamper myself and take care of myself. Um, and that's how I celebrate my accomplishments. And then I share as well. So I'm someone that likes to share with family um, and pamper them as well. So that's how I celebrate. <laughs> yes. 
And I just had to ask that question because I know, you know, for a lot of black women, we work, 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 work. We never take a break. We just keep aiming. We keep going higher, but we've never just taken the moment to just kind of look at our accomplishments and really just pat ourselves on the back and not just keep going, but just to pause and look around you and say, I'm so thankful for everything that I have. And I worked so hard for it. And you know what? I'm going to do something nice for myself to celebrate me. So that's the reason why I had to ask that question. Yeah, yeah, we always have to reflect and, you know, be thankful for the position that we're in and just not be afraid to just pamper and reward yourself. If you feel like going to the mall and buying yourself a cute little jewelry, then buy it. Don't feel guilty. You work hard to be in the position that you're in. Exactly. Get yourself some diamonds. (laughs) Exactly. I won't brag about what I've done, but I make sure I you know, recognize and pamper myself um, for the accomplishments that I have obtained thus far and give back. Yeah. Yeah, yes. And that that's the reason why I really wanted to kind of go over all of this with you because, you know, going forward with this podcast episode being put out there, um, I, I just needed to, to know, are you comfortable with people reaching out to you or, you know, asking you questions if this is a career that they are considering? Are you okay with being a mentor to someone eventually? Or do you feel that being in a doctoring program right now as an audiologist, that right now is not a good time for you to answer questions like these for people that are interested? Um, so, yes, if someone wants to reach out to me, by all means, they can. They can reach out to me through LinkedIn and they can ask me questions. I'm a very private person on social media and Facebook. (laughs) I don't really post a lot. Um, But if someone wants to reach out to me through LinkedIn, definitely they can. They can just type in my name, Simone Denver-Nesbeth, and I'll be more than happy to talk to them. All right, perfect. So I'll be following you on Instagram, which I'm kind of surprised, or not Instagram, but LinkedIn. I'm kind of surprised that I didn't already have you there. But knowing you, because you move in silence, I bet you don't even post anything. (laughs) No, I don't, unfortunately. It's okay. It (laughs) means that you're a career woman. Career women usually on Instagram don't post very much. Like, I don't have the time. Like, I'm busy, and when I don't, when I'm not working, like, that's my downtime. I'm not, I'll go on Instagram to see what's going on, and I follow the shade room to be up to date <laughs> with stuff. On the mess. Um, but yeah, yeah, but I generally do not post on Facebook or Instagram. People won't know if I have a home or if I have multiple homes. They don't know they what don't is know going anything. on in my life. They yes. don't know what I'm doing realistically. And I like that. Unless they actually know me. Unless they know me, then they will know. But if they don't really know me, then, or like we haven't communicated in a long time or so, then they actually won't know until we actually like talk. All right. No, I'm, I'm very glad. And that's you one of the to, things that yeah, stood you know. out about you. You move in silence. Yeah. Nobody knows your people, business at all. No. I think now people will know my business <laughs> because I did the podcast. But yeah, I, I'm very, some. I'm someone that um, is low key and I don't really post or do that type of stuff to let people know what is really going on. Yeah. You're very private. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, honestly, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for answering my questions. And I know you're not a bragger and I know you felt uncomfortable having people know your business, but I really do feel that when it comes to representation, we need to talk to uh, a black woman who is an audiologist and talk about their experiences and how hard they work to get to where they are. So yeah, I appreciate you. 
Yeah, I'm happy that I, I was, you know, reluctant in the beginning because I'm someone that doesn't like to, you know, put myself out there and reveal certain aspects of my life. But obviously, this is for the benefit of other people um, to further encourage um, even black youth, black adults to, you know, strive for your dreams. Nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are black women, black men in various positions um, across various industries doing well and don't think that you're limited. Um, so that's kind of, you know, one of the reasons why I decided to come out of my little cocoon <laughs> come up to the podcast. Well, I'm glad that you decided to sprout your wings and become a butterfly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a social butterfly. Well, thank you so yeah. much again for joining us and I really do appreciate you. Okay, you as well. Thank you. All right. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast episode. Don't forget to click the follow button under TAO Intentions Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Support all our guests by following their social media pages. Visit our social media pages for updates on our guests per week and our guests on the YouTube channel. Our social media pages are Facebook at The Ambitious Obsession, Instagram and Twitter at The Ambitious Ops. Share your favorite episode with your family and friends, and I hope you have a splendid day.